Um, So we're continuing this morning in our series called The Hidden Kingdom. The idea behind this series is that God's kingdom is present and available for us in our lives today. All right, I I don't wanna overcomplicate this. A kingdom is really simple. There's a king and then there's the subjects of the king who live within that kingdom. And our King Jesus has made a way for us to be a part of his kingdom. But we have to choose to let him be on the throne of our lives. See, this side of heaven, it's not obvious. He's giving people lots of room to make their own choices, to make their own decisions, to decide who's gonna be king in our lives. And so he gives us a lot of freedom. But friends, he is active in the world today. He is up to something. He's up to something in your life. And he's up to something in the lives of the people around us. And Jesus spent a lot of his time while he was on the earth talking about the kingdom of God. And he would say very often these simple words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we've often heard that and translated that like the kingdom of heaven is going to be coming so I should repent to get ready for it. Now, on one level, that's true. The fullness of God's kingdom, where everything that he wants to happen is what always happens, that's coming. That's coming when he returns. But this side of heaven, his kingdom is at hand. It is available. He can be king in our lives today. And so the question is, we position ourselves to repent which yes, that means like an acknowledgement of sin, but it's more than that. This isn't what, just what we learned from our parents where it's like, you, you were mean, say sorry. You, you got upset, say I forgive you. Okay, good, repentance has happened, we've moved on. No, no, it's more than that. It's a change of direction. And so we are invited to live lives with a whole new focus, a whole new purpose and perspective. And that is with our eyes on King Jesus and, and a, a purpose in our hearts to let what he wants to happen in my life happen. All right? So we've been working through this series. Here's what we're gonna talk about this morning. I wanna, I wanna talk to you about bearing fruit this morning, bearing fruit. And we're gonna look at a familiar passage of scripture. My guess is the first half of this may feel very familiar to you, but I, I wanna encourage you, hear this with fresh ears this morning. Invite Jesus to speak to you, not just to teach you something you may not know, but maybe to to help you find yourself where you may be today. That's a lot of what his words will do. They'll help us identify where we are and then what he wants to do with us from there. And so lean in and listen to this. Now, bearing fruit. I kind of want to spoil the end right at the beginning. All right, so I'm gonna do that just a little bit. So any of you guys um, golf fans in here? All right, like three or four hands. Okay, I apologize to the rest of you for the next two to three minutes for this analogy. Um, But how many of you are aware that the Masters is going on this weekend, right? If nothing else, you probably know the phrase, a tradition unlike any other. You know, it's the Masters. It's been around since the 30s. Um, Well, I'm in this unique situation this weekend where my wife has been out of town with our oldest daughter, and so dad's been home with the kids, and so there's been a lot of playing board games with the masters on in the background, or maybe more in the foreground that I'm admitting to the people I'm playing board games with. 
Um, but I've been keeping up with it maybe more than ever this year. It's been a lot of fun. Um, but some interesting things about the Masters. No one has won the Masters on their first attempt since 1979. And prior to that, no one had won the Masters on the first attempt except for the first two years of its existence because everybody was just starting to play it for the first time. So one of the things that's sort of inherently built into it is that it takes some experience. It takes some, some knowledge of the game. And in fact, any young guys who have ever won it, even though they're young and they're prodigies, you know, think Tiger Woods winning it at 21 years old, they still came in with years of experience at a young age. And Tiger himself had played in the Masters twice as an amateur before he won at 21 years old. And so I've been kind of watching, and there's this one particular guy, Justin Rose, he's, four, he's 40 years old. He's finished um, five times in the top 10, but he's never won. In fact, he's finished second place twice. Now that might not seem like a big deal to you and I, that is a big deal. You've gotta be a good golfer to have that level of consistency. And so when the Masters started out on Thursday, everybody was talking about like brutal conditions, it's gonna be a hard day to score well. And he was seven under par and the next closest person was three under par. He was like blowing away the whole field. In adverse conditions, he did incredible. And then he's kind of just been hanging in there over the next couple of days, Friday and Saturday. Um, but here's, here's what was interesting about his journey to me. He's experiencing a course that keeps changing. The weather changes, the conditions change. Um, things aren't working for him quite as well on one particular day where they were working a little bit better the next day. But all throughout it, he's continued to navigate. And guess what position he's in today going into the final round? He's tied for second place in a very familiar position, all right? Now, I, I am by no means a prognosticator, but it'd be kind of cool if, if maybe he won. Maybe this was his turn to win. But here's, here's the point of, of why I'm talking about the Masters, why I'm talking about golf. Whether you want to use the golf analogy or maybe some other area in your life where you've developed familiarity, you've developed a skill set. You know, maybe you work with your hands, you do something with your hands, you build, you create. Um, maybe you're gardening. I know some of you ladies are big time into that right now because my wife is texting you all the time. And I just want to say thank you because the more she talks to you about gardening, the less she's talking to me about gardening. So there we go. That's deserving of an amen. Our wives are talking to each other about this a lot these days. All right, so whatever area of expertise you're in, here's what happens. You, you reach a place where the more familiar you are with something, the more that you're not only gaining information, but you're putting it into practice, you reach a place where more and more you become a master in that area. And what happens is you reach a place of understanding, okay? Now, this is a central thing that Jesus is after for you and I. His desire is that we would reach a place of understanding. And so when he tells the parable of the sower and he, he tells the whole, the whole parable, and I mentioned a few weeks ago how he just simply told the story and didn't explain it. And then later his disciples who were following him, learning from him, being his apprentices, becoming more like him, they pursued him and said, tell us what's going on there. And he explained the parable to them. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna work our way through the parable. 
But when he landed at the very end, I want you to hear this from the top. When he landed at the very end, he said, the soil that produced fruit, the the soil that was productive, it accomplished something. That is the person who not only hears what I'm saying, they understand it. They understand it. That doesn't just mean I did a good job explaining it. They went, oh, I hear you. I understood the words you spoke. I get it. That word understanding is much deeper. And so that's where we're heading this morning. For us to live fruitful lives, the lives God desires for us, the lives I believe deep down as followers of Jesus we hope for, but also the fruitfulness that the the world around us needs. Think about that. A tree doesn't eat its own fruit. The fruitfulness is for others around us. The fruitful life that God wants for us, that we want for ourselves and that the world around us needs, it's found in understanding what Jesus is saying at a deep level, at a level of mastering it. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. So here we go. We're gonna work our way through this. Now I'm gonna do this a little bit different. As we go through this, I'm gonna read to you the verse where Jesus first told the parable. And then I'm gonna immediately after that, skip down and read the verses where he's explaining that part of it, okay? So we're just gonna approach this a little bit, a little bit different this morning. So let's jump right into this. We're gonna use Matthew's gospel, chapter 13. If you wanna follow along in your own Bible, it'll be up on the screen as well. Um, Both Luke's gospel and Mark's gospel also have this parable in them and I'll reference them at certain points. Um, But let's dive into this. Matthew's gospel, chapter 13. So all these people are gathered. Jesus is out on a boat by the side of the water. The people are on the, or sorry, the people are by the side of the water. Jesus is in a boat. If you were with us last Sunday, you can picture that scene, right? Just Jesus out in a little boat teaching everybody. One of these years, I'm gonna be brave enough to have somebody come up with their fishing boat right by the shore and preach from it. But I'm a little worried that this number right here, I would not do well with that. So we haven't gone that far yet, but Jesus could handle it. So he's by the shore and he was telling them many parables. And so Matthew chapter 13, verse three, and he told them many things in parables saying, A sower went out to sow. Really simple. Someone's going out to sow. Then he begins to explain the parable in verses 18 and the first part of 19. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. That means understand it, grab hold of it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. Okay, so really, really simple. All of the different soils that we're gonna see, this is anyone that hears specifically the word of the kingdom. Any message that God is communicating about his kingdom activity, that's the seed. And I I don't wanna miss this because I think sometimes we miss this. Guys, remember that the sower is sowing seed everywhere. It seems like a really foolish idea. It's like the opposite of what you should do as a gardener. Like you wanna pick a really specific location that's gonna receive it well, but this sower is indiscriminate. Man, the seed is just everywhere. It's on the road, it's on rocks, it's in thorns. It's just wherever he can get it, he's throwing it out there. Friends, God is communicating kingdom stuff everywhere all the time. All the time. And we have an opportunity 
to hear words of the kingdom all the time. I, I know that during the last four days, when I was with my kids, God was saying stuff. I hope, I think maybe I caught some of it. I'm positive I missed some of it. But even just spending a few days with my kids, I know God was up to stuff because he cares about them and their lives and their hearts. And he's always sowing seeds, kingdom seeds. And so God is speaking kingdom words at all times in all situations to everyone. The issue is not whether or not God is speaking. The real issue is under what conditions will his words fall into my life? And so now Jesus continues. The first section is the path. Matthew chapter 13, verse four now, and then we're gonna fully read verse 19 after that. As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom, this is verse 19 now, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So he's saying the word lands, but it never really grabs hold of anything. It just kind of bounces right off. It gets snatched up. It's like it just hits the surface and it's gone. Now, this can happen in a couple of ways. This can be someone who, is, who has never even given Jesus their focus or attention. They are just living lives for themselves. They're not even a follower of Jesus. And they're just busy going their own way and walking their own path. And I, I believe that is, that is one aspect of this. But friends, I would just also propose to you that it is possible for us as followers of Jesus to be on the path ourselves and so caught up in the busyness of life that his words that he wants to speak bounce right off. That I'm facing the immediacy of today, this moment, what's going on, and, and I miss something else that's happening that God's up to, something he wants to make me aware of, see about myself, see about this person right here, an opportunity I can step into. And that in busyness, it bounces off. I, I can promise you this, if you are intending to learn something and grow in a certain area, it's gonna require your attention. You're not gonna accidentally grab hold of something. A lot of us were, were um, reading through the Bible last year. And one of the main ways I was, I was doing that is I was listening to it. As I was mowing the grass or on a walk or driving my car when I was listening to it, and I, I'm grateful for technology and the ability to do that. But what happened to me often is I would realize about a minute or two had gone by and I had no idea what I had just been listening to. Did anybody else struggle with that last year? My hand's up, man. Like I just, I battled with that distractedness, a distracted heart that's too busy, that's too distracted, we, we won't hear and it, it doesn't even have a chance to permeate. And so if we're gonna grow in understanding, realizing that busyness is a huge issue in our culture. Like, like if you've been here for even more than a year or two, you've heard me talk about this. It's such a huge issue though. We're on the go. And in fact, we wear busyness as if it's a badge of honor. I'm validating what I'm doing with my life because look at how busy I am. I'm accomplishing things. I have a lot going on. Listen, busyness 
can be a physical behavior. I'm just busy and I'm on the go. But busyness is also a mentality. I'm not saying don't live a full life. Like we're called to live a full life, a purposeful life. But I believe for many of us, we get caught up in the physical activity and it leads to a mental place of busyness where we're just kind of like that. On to the next thing, on to the next thing. I'm missing what's right in front of me. So I'm not saying quit all the stuff you do. Don't have a lot of activity going, going on. I'm, I'm warning you that if we're gonna master life, if we're gonna understand what Jesus is up to in us and in the world around us, one of the obstacles is busyness, especially right here. Busy and distracted and missing it. Friends, here's the bottom line. It takes patience and it takes humility to learn and grow. It takes patience and it takes humility. One of the things I've realized about myself in my own busyness is I'm starting to believe that a bunch of things depend upon me when maybe they don't really. Maybe Jesus can keep this world spinning all right on his own. And I've, I've taken on, I do that in my job here as pastor. Like I'll take on responsibilities that I, not only should I not be taking them on because it's not good for me, I'm ripping someone else off from doing something they would thrive in. They're actually good at it and like doing it. And I'm frustrated and miserable and annoyed doing it. And so it's not good for me. I'm probably not doing a very good job doing it and I'm ripping somebody else off from the opportunity. And yet in my pride thinking, I, I gotta do this, I gotta carry this, I gotta make this happen. It takes humility to slow down and go, God, you've got this. What do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? What are you up to? If, if I'm gonna reach a level of really understanding how to cooperate with you in your kingdom, I, I gotta slow down and be patient and see what you might wanna show me. There's the path. Next section, the rocky ground. Matthew 13 still now, verses five and six, and then we'll skip down and read verses 20 and 21. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And then Jesus explains what this is like in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. The word lands, but it doesn't last. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but did you see how many times Jesus used the word immediately? Immediately, it immediately grew. They immediately received it with joy. Things got hard, they immediately took off. Just boom, 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 boom. Friends, many of us, if we're not careful, whether we realize it or not, we can live life following our emotions, our instinct, our impression of what's going on instead of cultivating relationship. 
I just, I have my immediate visceral reaction to what's happening around me. And so there's times where God shows up and he says something and I'm, I'm lit up, I'm fired up, I'm excited. You know, maybe I was in a worship service and my, my heart's just like beating out of my chest and I'm just like, yes, Lord. And I'm so excited, I'm moved. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with our emotions. God gave them to us. They're, they're, they're useful, they're beneficial, but they should not be in charge. And so what happens is inevitably, walking with Jesus is gonna be difficult at times. It's gonna cost me something. There's, there's times where by choosing to follow his kingdom, it will be an opposition to other kingdoms going on around me. And so I'm feeling like I need to do this, live this way, say this thing, make this decision. And then the people around me, whether they realize it or not, are cooperating with other kingdoms in this world and I hit up against those. And it gets difficult. And it gets costly. And if I'm relying upon my personal experiences to guide me, my emotional reaction to what's happening around me, it causes problems. So that's the question. What guides me? What do I live out of? How, how are my decisions based? Maybe you've experienced something like this before where you feel like you really clearly hear God give some direction, some purpose. You make a decision based on something he said. And then the outcome wasn't quite what you wanted or expected. That's a crisis of faith moment right there. Man, I, I've had those. I've had my share of those. See, sometimes it's not that we don't hear what God says. Sometimes we hear exactly what he says and we move on it. And then we hit that wall. And the question is now, what am I gonna do? And see, the, the rocky ground sort of crumbles beneath our feet. And our lack of root gets exposed. And guys, man, we can get ripped off and destroyed in those moments if we're not careful. See, the primary issue is there's no root. And Luke's gospel goes on and describes, and there's no moisture. See, because the roots couldn't go down into good soil, they also could not receive the life, the moisture, the energy that they needed. Because sometimes life is dry and hard. And if our roots don't go deep, we can't draw what we need. See, friends, if, if we're gonna walk in understanding with God, things like depth, growth, stability, that's the goal, long-term health. Too much of our thinking in the world that we live in, the culture that we live in with, with instant gratification, it it's also permeates our church culture. And, and we encourage it, like we teach it from our pulpits. And we, we encourage people to, to almost have this like results-based mentality in what we're doing, but there's, there's no quick fixes. Like, like God's up to, to growing us and maturing us for the long haul. In fact, some plants will actually get stronger when they've gone through some difficulty because they have to learn to resist that difficulty and it, it makes them last. It helps them grow. Be aware of emotional quick responses to God's word or emotional quick responses to the circumstances around you. 
Let's let roots grow deep. If there's nothing else you can grab from this section, I want to encourage you with this. Focus more on relationship than results. Focus more on relationship than results. You will hit a point where walking with Jesus gets hard. You will hit a point where, where you make a decision and it's, it's going to seem like it's not working out. But it's not working out on, on whose scale? On my reaction to the moment or on what God is up to in the long haul? Let's put our roots in him and watch what he does. Third one, the thorny ground. This is back to Matthew 13, verse 7 now, and then we'll read verse 22. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 22. Jesus is now describing this. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. See, the the idea here is that God's word lands. It takes root. It starts growing. There's just other stuff planted in there too. And so it grows, but it doesn't reach the place of producing fruit. It, It doesn't have the energy, the resources to become fruitful because it's choked out. It doesn't have room to grow. There's other things going on in life that are filling up all the empty spaces and it's choking it out. And so Jesus describes some things, the cares of this world. Listen, man, that's real. There are real cares in this world. There may be uh, fears and anxieties that, that I create, but there are also real things to be fearful and anxious about. There are real challenges that we face. Life is difficult and being consumed by the cares of this world can rip us off from what God wants to do in the midst of the cares of this world, in the midst of the difficulties that we're facing. And so stress and anxiety can choke out what God's wanting to grow in us. The next section there says deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. That, that means inherently I might not even realize this is me. I might not even realize that that I have accepted a mentality that I can control and arrange for the things in life that are gonna bring me satisfaction and that I've actually started trusting that and worshiping that more than trusting the king and his provision. See, this isn't about it being bad to have money or to work hard or to provide for your family. It's about focus. It's about what we rely upon. And if I'm so entrusting this way of life, if the the direction, the focus, the bent of my life is this, then I miss out on how fruitful trusting the King of Kings is. The one who provides for all my needs according to his riches and glory. Now, Mark's gospel, chapter four, verse 19, adds a, a third thing that Jesus said right here in the same section. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things. That's just that idea of of lust. I'm I'm always missing out. I never quite have that thing I want. 
or I'm excited for this thing over here, so I'm looking forward to it, I'm pursuing it. It has my attention, I get there. But here's what the scripture teaches us about those things we desire apart from him. They don't satisfy. They don't satisfy our deepest cravings. They leave us wanting more. Lust hungers, but it's never satisfied. See, this is a dangerous place to be. And guys, believers can be here. That's the deal. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, like we can get wrapped up in this and and we're missing out. Paul writes to Timothy with a warning along these lines. I'd encourage you to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. The whole chapter, Paul's describing selfish living that destroys, even within the church community, he's talking to Timothy about the people he's going to be ministering to. And he, he's describing a way of living that, that destroys from the inside out. And then he says these words describing people in a church environment who are being ripped off by pursuing other things. And he says in 2 Timothy 3, 7, they're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. They never reach the place of understanding. We got the information. I've taken it in. See, this this third realm, the thorny ground, I, I really believe this moves into the territory of when we're starting to put things into practice. Where all the stuff that's being poured into me that I've heard, that I know, but is it, is it actually sinking deep into my life? And am I giving it room in my life for it to happen? Am I mastering the knowledge Jesus has given me because I'm using it? Because I look around and I see opportunity. I'm not striving to, to get something I don't have. I'm not resting in the comforts I've been able to arrange for in my life. And I'm not wrapped up in anxiety about what I can't control. Instead, I'm seeing the world around me and going, God, you have fed me with so much knowledge about this life and about who I am in you. And now I'm seeing ways to use it. I'm seeing how to operate in the midst of these anxious circumstances. I'm seeing how I don't have to pursue riches. Man, you've blessed me with some. I can do something with this for your kingdom's glory. Is this making sense, guys? Are y'all catching this? All, All of these things that are going on here, all this stuff that we're talking about, the idea ultimately is that that Jesus is moving us towards, driving us towards understanding the life he's inviting us into and recognizing things that can rip us off from that way of life. And so as we we move towards the closing of this, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the good soil. All right, It's, it's a simple verse, two simple verses but I believe there's something that God really wants us to grab a hold of here. And so Matthew 13, verse eight, other seeds. So we've got all these other kinds of soils, but other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. In verse 23, he describes what this type of soil is. As for it was sown on good soil, This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. That word understand, I want you to hear this. Here's what what the, the word means. It means 
the comprehending activity of the mind entails the assembling of individual facts into an organized whole. Did you catch that? Understanding. It's not about, I I understand this little nugget over here, although that's part of it. It's taking all of these individual facts and seeing how they fit together into a cohesive whole. Back to my master's analogy, it's seeing the whole field. I know all the clubs that are in my bag and what I can do with them because I've worked with each of them individually in all of the possible scenarios I could be in and I know what I can do with that club in this way and then I see the whole field in front of me and suddenly it's like, there's my ball, there's the tree limb, there's where I'm heading and I know I've got these 14 options but this is the one that'll do that. Where it all just begins to go click, click, click into place. God has that for us. This life is hard. It's difficult. There's a lot of things along the way that can rip us off. But the the scripture, the word of God, it's so rich and so full of direction on how to let our God be king in our lives that the playing field of that specific day, whatever's going on, God can give you exactly what you need to navigate that day and see kingdom fruit come out of it. Understanding, having this perspective. It goes on and continues. The word is described as collecting the pieces of a puzzle and putting them together. It means that the mind grasps concepts and sees the proper relationships between them. I understand love. I understand truth. I understand how those two things are not in opposition to one another. And so therefore, I understand that where I'm living in a world where I'm being told I'm this label, I'm a conservative, I'm a liberal, I'm an evangelical, I'm a whatever, I'm being told I'm these things, or I've even purposely adopted and accepted those labels, it sifts through all that and says, I am a follower of Jesus. I am a member of his kingdom. And so I am taking in his truth and his love and he helps me see how he would have me navigate in this life. And so I can be on the side of truth and I can be on the side of love all at the same time. And in fact, many of us get off track because somewhere along the way, I just sort of believe I gotta do one of those. Like I'm over here in the truth speaking category. And I don't have to bring love into the equation. How much good fruit is that going to produce as we're interacting with the world around us? Or I'm over here and under the guise of love, I set truth aside and I don't offer someone something real that could change their life. God is inviting us to learn and grow and gain understanding. Guys, here's my heart as a pastor. Here's my heart for our church community. I just wanna say one or two quick little thoughts here in closing with you guys, okay? My heart is this. This has been my heart for a long time. I I don't wanna be the kind of pastor that's trying to convince people to do stuff. We settle for that far too often. I'm sure I've done that. I probably will again in the future. It's, It's easy 
in leadership to just get people to do stuff, right? It's clear, it's direct, I want you to do this. We need this, come do this. And, and far too often, we as churchgoers, like I, I haven't always been the guy up here. We as churchgoers, like we settle for it too. Like just, hey, give me the thing to do, tell me the thing to say, tell me how to think, and I'll sit there for as long as it's agreeing with me, and the minute it's not agreeing with me, I'll find someone else who will tell me this stuff to, to think and do and say. And so we just bounce around. And, and we think we're finding the voices that are pointing us towards Jesus, but really we're just looking to affirm the way we already view things. Let's not settle for being told what to do. God wants to invite us into a place of understanding. My heart, my desire is that we would be people that would understand what it means to know Jesus and walk with him, and then what we do would flow naturally out of that. See, even a sermon like this, when I go through the different points, it's like, okay, well, which one of those do I maybe need to work on or get better at, or what's the thing I need to stop doing? And it's like, those soils just, we're all gonna be in all of those different places, maybe all in one day sometimes. But God is out here saying, come walk with me. Come know me, hear me speaking. Let me let it, let it sink into your life. Purpose to do something with it. Reach a level of understanding and watch how it permeates. Like this week, you may have seen it. I sent out a video asking people to volunteer in kids ministry. I hate doing those. I do. I worry that the only thing it might produce is a few people might just feel kind of guilty and go, well, I guess I'll do that. I don't ever want us to feel like we have to serve. My hope is that we realize I get to serve. There, there, God has so done something in my life that I recognize there's kingdom opportunity all around me. And so whether it's serving at a kid's class at church or, or having a moment with this person at the grocery store or a moment with my kids that could in passing just be insignificant or maybe they're just annoying me, it's actually an opportunity to have kingdom impact. Because the, the more my eyes are open to Jesus and his presence and his activity, and the more I'm beginning to put all the pieces together, the more, the more I gain understanding and I see the whole puzzle, then you know what comes? Fruit. We don't have to chase fruit. We hear the word and we purpose to use it to gain experiential knowledge with it, to let it sink down and apply into our daily lives. And along the way, little by little, whether we realize it or not, we're growing in wisdom, we're growing in knowledge, we're growing in kingdom experience, and we are becoming people who understand something that so few do. And it leads to freedom, it leads to a new way of living, and it will produce fruit. See, here, here is the goal of what Jesus is offering. For the people on the path, he's offering a new path. He's offering freedom from just rushing through life and missing what really matters. Instead, I can walk through life with purpose and intentionality, catching all Jesus has to offer. 
instead of being the person with the rocky soil, I can realize my life is built on the rock, the rock. And so I can have freedom from being controlled by the circumstances around me. I can be set free of that. And instead, I can be rooted in finding health and purpose no matter what comes my way. And see, I can realize, instead of worrying about what might be choking out God's word in my life, I can realize that Jesus is simply offering me room to grow. I don't have to feel guilty about doing all that stuff. I can just realize he wants to set me free from it and create space and room where I can grow and thrive. Freedom from being overwhelmed with activity or being underwhelmed by the results of what my life is producing. Instead, I can live an unhurried life that drinks fully from the river that never runs dry. This is a weird message to preach (laughs) because I can't just go, there's understanding, enjoy. (laughs) I can't do that. What I hope to do is whet your appetite and say, God has really cool stuff to tell us in his word. And he intends for that really cool stuff to trickle down out into the real world of our lives. And that as we navigate all that we face, that his kingdom is present and active. And that more and more, I can recognize what he's saying, what he's doing. And every time I just take even one step to slow down, to see it, to take it in, and if he's asking me to do something with it, to do something with it, that I'm beginning to master life in the kingdom, that more and more I'm growing in understanding. And friends, it will produce fruit. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I I just want to stand in awe of you this morning as our teacher. Jesus, the perspective that you had, that you have, but that you had while you walked this earth on what life was really all about, all the pieces that you, you saw out on the field, your father in heaven who loved you was always with you, your ability to spend time with him, hear from him, and then cooperate with him, your ability to be fully who you were called to be as the son of God, Settled in your identity, rooted in words of wisdom, and purposing to live out of following your Father, to love people well. What a fruitful life. Jesus, thank you that you don't call us to be you. We can't be you, and we don't have to try. Thank you that you are our Savior, but you're also now our Lord, our guide, our King. And while we're never gonna live the life that you lived perfectly, you have invited us to follow you, to to, to be changed by you, to grow, and to be on mission with you, to live with real purpose in this world. And so Jesus, would you help each of us figure out one step at a time how to receive understanding from you, how to give you our attention, how to let you be our rock, 
how to let our roots go deep into real relationship with you, that our eyes may be open and that more and more we could see how the pieces of the puzzle fit together and that in all times and in all seasons, we can be kingdom people and we can produce fruit that lasts. That's our heart. That's our desire. Jesus, help us to walk with you in this way daily. It's in your name we pray. Amen.